All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is September the 11th, 2014. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again. And we're joined today with uh, our illustrious co-host, Mr. Mark Cantrell. How you doing, Mark? Good, thank you, Dave. Thank you very much for asking. And a promotion to co-host is uh, appreciated. <laughs> and I expect to see it reflected in my non-existent paycheck. Yes, absolutely. We will write you a big, fat, non-existing paycheck for that. Absolutely. Double it. Just double it. Just double what I yeah. get right now. I'll, I'll triple okay. what you're being paid. No problemo, man. <laughs> we have a... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be co-hosting with you. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we've got another great show for you this week. Um, we will be talking with uh, Mika, the uh, recently inducted BCA Hall of Famer. Uh, we're going to talk about some other interesting stuff, too. Uh, we'll get into some league disputes, and uh, hell, we'll we'll argue about just about anything uh, with Mark. So uh, stick around. Uh, we're gonna go through our one-minute pool instructor uh, lesson of the week here real quick, and we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. And this week, we'll be discussing Standard Operating Process, or what we call SOP. Yeah. And everybody's got them, don't they, Randy? Oh, in real life. We all have them. Uh, all the way from uh, getting in and starting our cars, to how we eat food, to... Uh... How about what your routine is when you get in the shower? Sure. Or how about how you dress yourself? Yeah. Well, that's kind of funny for me. <laughs> anyway, it's a standard routine, whether it's funny or not. Because yeah. I do it the same way all the time. And in pool, we have our SOP uh, process, and we also have SOP shooting. Just as we have what we call XOP processes and XOP shooting. So what are a few XOPs? Well, one XOP would be uh, shooting over another ball when oh, you're yeah. jacked up. Off a rail? Yeah, off a rail. Another one would be uh, uh, the cue ball and the object ball maybe an inch or two apart. Very good. A jump shot? A jump shot. Bank shot. Be a kick. How about the break? Even the break. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are extra operating procedures. Extra care operating but, procedures. But nine yes. out of ten shots in pool are shot with an SOP. They are. It's using your standard bridge length, your standard uh, cradle position, your standard stance, your Stroke. your standard cadence and, t and timing yeah. and rhythm, yeah. and your standard delivery of letting the cue, uh, the weight of the cue and timing create the speed of the stroke, and your natural finish, of course. So how do you get that standard operating procedure stroke, Scott? Well, it's measurable, Randy. You, you can't measure what you don't know about, you can't fix what you can't measure, and you can only fix one thing at a time. Yeah, you can't fix it if you don't know it. Yeah. Well, do, do mother drills have anything to do with it? They have a huge thing to do with it, but mother drills won't help you if you don't know what your SOP template is. Right. How about we talk about that next time? Let's do that. Well, we, we actually already talked about a, a, a template and what that right. is, but we can certainly uh, re review it and how it relates to SOP shooting. And the, the most important thing to understand is that when you are playing a game of pool, I don't care what game it is, 
SOP shots will be 70% plus oh, yeah. of everything you shoot. Hopefully might, 90, but might 70 Might be 70, is, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it might be 90. So anyway, join us next time. Uh, let's I'm, do that. Let's uh, talk about that. That mother drills. Why do we do mother drills? That'll be our topic next time on the One Minute Pool Instructor. I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And we'll see you then. Right, and we're back, and I'm talking with our uh, Legends and Champions Tour promoter, the uh, Oracle himself of all things pool, Mr. Mark Cantrell. How's uh, the Southwest treating you there, Mark? Um, well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's the strangest thing. Uh, the, the, we have storms, we have rain. My street was flooded. There was guys, and I'm not, if I'm lying, I'm dying. There was guys in canoes going down my street. <laughs> uh, you know, no, nobody got damaged. We have uh, these wells, these grass areas all over area, all over the Phoenix area. That are just like, so look at these like parks, but they're like a big bowl. And yeah, they're there yeah. to collect rainwater. Right. You know, so we need it. And there's people on jet skis. <laughs> I'm serious. They were on jet skis, and uh, so it, it was. Uh, it, it was kind of kind of a different uh, week. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was watching some footage of it on the on the Weather Channel, uh, and it it looked pretty hairy. That the desert was washing away and stuff. So you're lucky to be alive, sir. Well, I, I don't know if you remember. It was a week before last, I had a guy named Bruce St. James. Yeah. On who's the local radio uh, morning drive guy, mm -hmm. and I was talking to him, and you know, got we've got a seven-year-old uh, that you know loves, and all the kids in the neighborhood just love these all this flooding. They're playing out in the rain, yeah. and he's got this gal on the show and saying, "Don't let him do that because we got we don't have any rain." So all of a sudden, we've got all these this dog crap everywhere, dog pee, <laughs> animal stuff. You know, all pesticides, worm killers, weed killers. Yeah. The whole side is running up, and the kids are playing in there. Yeah. They think, oh, it's just rainwater, but, you know, it's not. So it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm running my mouth too much. I'll shut up. <laughs> well, no, so that's you, all right. You asked the, you asked the, you asked the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not just you, though. Apparently, there's been a lot of flooding in a lot of places this year. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because uh, the hurricane season was like non-existent. Yet, we're the places are flooding all over the United States. It's uh, it's a little bizarre, but uh, you know. Well, it's all it's, it's all really down to that global warming. Though. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, apparently, we're all going to be toasted and burnt off into the atmosphere, and then you know we're going to turn into Mars or something. I think is what they say, but. Anyway, I think we're supposed to be talking about pool or something like that. Um, oh, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that if you want. Yeah, we could talk about pool if you'd like to. Um, you know, I was excited to hear about uh, this. Have you heard about the match coming up? Well, hell, it starts tomorrow. Uh, Shane Van Boning versus uh, Jason Shaw. Um, 
it's gonna be a race to 100. Talk about a marathon! Holy cow, dude! Well, it's, I, I mean, I don't think a race to 100 in a challenge map situation is that out of line. I mean, I think the action report we're doing races to 75. Uh, it's going to last three days. I don't know what that format is going to be as far as we'll play, who, you know, the first person gets to 35 or something, 33 the first day, and then the next day, the next person gets to, the first person who gets to 66 and then finish it up the last day. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how that's working. I guess it's on, I'm sure it's on a nine-foot table. What, what do you say? Is it Castle Billiards? Yeah, at Castle Billiards, uh, tomorrow and the next day. It's supposed to just be two days, winner take all, $5,000. Um, it does not, the information I have doesn't say anything about the size of the table. I would assume it's a nine foot, but, because uh, if it was a 10 foot, they'd probably go out of their way to, to mention that. But, um, right. yeah, 10 ball. Well, I tell you, I I, I think. Shane obviously has maybe the best break in the business at Temple. I believe that he's he, Shane's Shane. He's kind of hard to try and, you know, most of the people who listen to American Billy's radio are pretty educated about the players and the games and the sports. So, you know, far be it from me to try and re educate anybody on anything. But. I tell you, Jason Shaw is an up-and-coming star. He's got some serious firepower. Yeah, and yeah. he might end up surprising some people. Mm-hmm. If the odds were right, and I was a betting man, I'd put my, I, I would put my money on Jason, just, just to do it. He'd yeah. probably be underdog, but I'd probably put on Jason just to do it. Well, I think he's a theoretical underdog as far as the the rankings are concerned. But of course, you know the rankings are just uh, uh, it's just it's just a list. It's it doesn't necessarily you know equate to uh, real world talent because to say that so and so won so many matches, well, the other person may or may not have played in the same matches or, or as many matches. So the rankings are sort of uh, you know, hit or miss as far as that's concerned. Because, I mean, according to the list, Shane's number two in the world and Jason's, like, number 22. So if you're looking at it at face value, those that list says that Jason's a huge uh, underdog. But, but... Shane's got that break. He's got the break at the 10 ball. Yeah. He's got the break at 10 ball. And that is going to be, once again, stroke, you know, playing these long, you know, long sessions, or fairly long sessions. If you can get the breakdown, you're going to be in good shape. And, yeah, you know, they, they can both make the balls. Yeah, that's My, my opinion, of, I'll tell you my opinion real quick of Jason Shaw. I think he's going to be one of the up-and-coming rising stars of professional pool. He's still young. I, still, I, I think he's going to win world titles. I think he's going to be one of the most exciting players in the pro arena. And he's going to become a fan favorite pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, here's what my problem is with Jason. And, you know, I, I, I love the guy, great guy. 
is the same thing that is going to make him a fan favorite is the same thing that's going to stop him from beating Shane. Is is erratic, is exciting, is fast. And he plays shots a little more, uh, or flashy than Shane would. And that can cause, that's where the mistakes come. That's why, I mean, we love to watch that kind of thing. We like to see people spin the ball around four rails to get shape on the next ball. Sure. That's great to watch. But he'll do that where Shane might make a stop shot and that make give himself an easier life. Right, right. And just go through his motions and bang, 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 bang and, and, and beat him. Right. So that's that's my that's my thing on Jason. But if he gets his stroke and gets some confidence, he starts spinning the ball around, he'd be like another Earl, you know. <laughs> being able to dance around the table yeah. and have a good time with it could be, could be. Um, they're both doing well this year, apparently. I mean, uh, it's not. Uh, I I don't think it's a hanger for sure. But on the other hand, I'm going to take the opposite view, and I'm going to say that uh, I feel like even in a long race like that, um, it, if at some point. Shane gets behind a significant amount of games, it is really going to eat him up. And that and, and that could be a good or a bad thing. In other words, if he does get behind, he's either going to fall further behind and it just be it'll it'll, it'll just ruin him or he's going to come back pissed and and just not let up basically. Just not just put his foot on the floor and just not let up. So it could go either way, but I think that's going to be the critical um, divider. I think if, they, in other words, if they stay close in the race pretty much the whole time, yeah, I don't know. You know, it'd be a hard call. But if Shane gets behind, it, I think that'll be the determining factor. In other words, the further he gets behind, I, the more I'd be scared of him at that point. But you know, yeah, I, I think I, he, I, I think he does good under pressure myself. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I agree with you. Shane's a favorite. I mean, hands down, he's a favorite. Yeah, well, sure. But I, I just, but, but Jason Shaw is dangerous. That's all I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah. And as far as Shane being behind, I know that I'm going to mention something that was a number of years ago, and he's gained more experience mm-hmm. since this. But I think he played Alex. I think it was a race to 100. Mm. And he was a, like, I, I, I can't remember the numbers, but... Alex was at like sixty, and Shane was at ninety, and and Alex came back and beat him. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, see, that's the exact type of scenario that I would expect Shane to pull out a win like that on that, just like that, where when you get so far behind, it drives you. It's it's a it's a very frustrating situation to be in, and like I said, it can either eat you up, you can get flustered, and you just can't get anywhere with it. Or you can feed off of that and come back for the win. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, perplexed, verklempt, and interested. I can't wait to see it. I think it'll be a really uh, interesting to see how that turns out. Plus, uh, AZ Billiards, AZ Billiards are doing the pay per view, right? Yeah, uh, Upstate Al is uh, doing that, and uh, it's a pay per view through the Castle Billiards and the whole bit. So, uh, 
If you want to check into that, go over to the Castle Billiards website and you can uh, sign up to watch that. So, um, what else is going on in the news here? Um, well, DeShane gets an undefeated run uh, at the Eastern States Championship, and ironically, Shaw also had a uh, an undefeated run at the Predator Pro Stop, but. DeShane uh, is doing also quite well so far this year. And that seems to be irking a lot of people as far as him not being on the Moscone Cup team. But I will say this, and I'm not going to even go into it. I will say that Mark Wilson, nobody could have known how well Shane was or Mike was going to do this year. So it's not like. You know, how can you look back after the fact and say, oh, well, so-and-so is doing well. We should have picked him. Well, you didn't know how well he was doing you know, when he made that decision. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I think that I don't know the reasons. Mark picked, Mark's captain of the team. He picked the team for whatever reasons he called it the right ones. I don't know why you'd leave him off the team. Uh, he didn't have a good showing in his first Moscone Cup, but that was—I—I'm I, going to say that I'm going to put that down the nerves and uh, an absolutely different experience than sure. anybody could ever have. Yeah. Um, what irks me more is that he had no idea that Mike was going to do well. But what irks me is the reason that he didn't know how well Mike was going to do is because there's not enough. Tournaments were not freaking playing. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Because there's not enough going on. Yeah, Jay, he, he won a regional tournament, and so did Jason. These are regional events at the end of the day. Right. You know, let's not make any t t bones about it. These are not major. It's not the U.S. Open. No. Nope. You know, it's not the Ultimate Ten Ball. These are regional events that they won, and they should have won them. Yeah. You know, there were some great great players there, but they were in contention to be there to, to win it. It shouldn't be a surprise right. that they did well. Yeah. But, you know, let's see how they do in the U.S. Open. Yeah. You know, that's a, a, it's another factor when you've got, what, what they at now, 200? Or I, I can't even remember now how many entries they're going to have. But when you've got Paul Pingy and the Coke brothers, or what are they called, what are the Coco brothers, from Taiwan, and Efren, and Busty, and Archer, and Appleton, and all those guys playing in those events. Let's, let's see how they do them against that kind of competition. Right, right. That's, that's where they separates the, the men from the boys. No, not taking it away from me. I told you, I love Jason Shaw. And, you know, I know Mike. Mike knows me. We, you know, we don't really, we don't go barbecues together or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but I don't. I don't have much against him. To be honest with you, uh, you know, we had a little fallout one year at the U.S. Open. But we're. I mean, we're we're over, we're over that. I'm just looking at his talent, yeah. and he, he's up there right now. If you're going to pick a young player, he's not a bad choice. Yeah, as far I, as a young oh, yeah. coming player, absolutely. Well, and I think we've talked about this before too. That that you got to draw the line somewhere. When you've got so many, you only have so many people to choose from. There's only so many seats in the, on the bus. So when it comes down to it, you, first of all, I'm, the talent pool is obviously more than five that could have made it on the t on the team anyway. 
It's more than eight. It's more than ten. So, but because you have so such a limited number of people that are going to make the final team, you you take the talent aspect of it. You take the team aspect of it. You can you know pick your parameters. But it's somewhere down the line, it's going to have you got to draw the line. So, unfortunately, and somebody in, and it does it's not even Mark Wilson's fault per se. Anybody in that position having to pick the final five would be faced with the exact same scenario. Well, how do I discern, you know, top player, top player, top player, but here's number six. You've got to draw the well, line. Got, if, you have to draw the line. Dave, he's got all other strategies that's going on that is not solely based around. Right. Right. World, world titles and championships. And, you know, that's, he's the, again, he's the captain. I'm not going to agree with him. I'm not going to disagree with him. I could, I could, obviously, everybody, including himself, I guarantee you this. Mark Wilson, if you nailed him down in a corner on his own and said, have you made some bad choices while you've been doing this? He's probably going to say, I might have made some choices that I could have made differently. Yeah. Now, what they are, I don't know. But you, you, you can always second-guess yourself. No matter what it is, if you, you're going to second-guess yourself. Is this player more experienced? Is this a better player? Yeah. Is he got, um, you know, this or that over the other guy? So, I, you know, I don't know. I really don't want to, you know, I don't want to. He seems I talk, I'm not in the, in the position to comment. Or make judgment on it. No, I got my own personal opinions on it. Right, and yeah, and that's that. Well, I think everybody does, and that's why this is causing so much contention. But and because everybody's going to see it differently, you know, they everybody has their own limited view of everybody else. So I don't think there's any two people that are, would make the exact same choices as, as Mark did, but. Um, like you said, I'm not in a position to say whether he's right or wrong. I will say that uh, it it is indisputably a difficult position to be in. And like I said, you've got to draw the line somewhere. You, you know what I mean? You can only fit so many. So there's going to be people that were totally qualified to make it that aren't. And that's just the way it is. It's There's no way around it. You If you only get to pick five, if you only get to pick five out of the whole freaking United States... Good qualified people will get left out. Period. That's just the end of the. You know, there's no way around it. I tell you, the only thing, unless it's for publicity reasons, the only thing I probably would have done differently in, in Mark's position is I would never have started with twelve and gotten an eight, and then after chopping down to five. That's the only thing I would have done differently. I would have done what I need to do, my research, pick the team, pick the five, and that's it. And let's work together for the rest of the year and, you know, get together as often as we can, and this is Team USA for 2014. <laughs> that's the only difference I would have made because, he's going to, you know, he's playing himself and, uh, you know, other people in, in just in a little bit of a posi- an awkward position. Yeah. Uh, but then again, he's, again... 
He's team captain. I'm not going to argue. I'm not in a position to argue with his choice. Sure you are. Saying, <laughs> sure I, you can. <laughs> I, I would I, I would done it. I just would have maybe done it definitely. But, <laughs> you know, until Maxim called me and said, Mark, you're going to be team captain. I just, no, which is never going to happen, by the way. You know what I would have done? You know, I I would I have, I would have taken, uh, I would have taken about the top, yeah, ten or fifteen. Let's just make it a nice odd number and say I've taken twelve, top twelve players and had them battle it out. You know what I mean? Like just go, you guys all go into a room, round robin your your brains out, and the top five come with me. Let them decide no. amongst themselves. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. <laughs> you're wrong. Or you're wrong. send them all into a, a room with the wiffle ball bat and see who comes out. You know what I mean? That that would be fun too. Um. Anyway, I I I leave it at you're wrong on that. Uh, you, I don't think in or what, but that is that story. Uh, hey, I don't care. He's trying to get a team unison together. The tree, you know, a team that's going to work together. And, and that's what he's trying to do. And Okay. You know. So we should send them to. Just send them to the rankings again, then. You know, that's send what you want to do. Boy Scout camp. Yeah, so uh, they, they should all go to Boy Scout camp together then and see who can build a, a rope bridge and get across the river the quickest. <laughs> I'd like to see somebody build a freaking bridge to Europe and take that Moscone Cup back. Hey, that's what we're gonna do. I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I'm, uh, I believe in miracles, so that's what's gonna happen. Speaking of miracles, okay. uh, you know who's going to the World Cup of Pool, right? Shane and Earl. <laughs> Woo! You know. Yeah, I tell you what. Shane's got a lot of respect for Earl, and Earl's got a lot of respect for Shane. That where the difference is with those two. And it's something that you don't see very often. Yeah. With Earl. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you there. They they play well together. And the mutual respect will go a long way for the confidence building. But, I mean, I'm looking at this list, the, the, the 32 teams. I mean, do you realize what – I mean, I'm sure you do. But we're talking about Appleton, uh, Darren and Carl – Daryl and Chris, Mika and Petrie, Ralph and Thurston. Oh man, then that's just the, that's just the Europeans, man. You get down into that Asian team and the names that I can't pronounce, and oh. Well, the, the thing is, well, let me let me say this first. The the. English team, I guess it's England A and England, England B. England B, right, yeah. Got, yeah. You've got uh, Darren Appleton and Carl Boys together. I would have, I would switch that and I'd have Mellon, Chris Mellon with Darren, and I'd have uh, Daryl Peach and Carl Boys together. For, for some ungodly known reason, I, I just think that that would work better. Mm-hmm. But... Hey, listen, they're, they're solid players. They're great solid players. Yeah. And, and not to, you know, hop on about that, you said there's the teams to play, you can't even say the names of. I, I don't know the names of them. I don't know who they are. 
But in in the Philippines, Taiwan, China, there are people out there who you and I maybe have never heard of that right. are absolute stone cold monsters. Yeah, and we're talking about Darren and Carl uh, uh, Boys. These these guys that you've never heard of, they might be eighteen years old. Yeah, yeah, and absolute monsters. Yeah. So we're paying attention to something that may not even be a factor, in all <laughs> honesty. And that sounds terrible, but that's... Uh, put your money on... If you can't say their name, bet on them. <laughs> you've got a good chat. I'm serious. You're doing the shots. So look at these cold, boys, cold brothers. The cold brothers? Yeah. Are they... Are they playing? I don't think they're going to be there. They're not on the list, man. So, uh, uh, who's What's there the for one? Korea? Is uh, Jung, Young, Hua, so, and... Taiwan. Uh, oh, wait. Taiwan. Yeah, oh, right. Uh, Taiwan. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, no, I don't I don't see them on the list. I don't see them. You got China, Chinese, Taipei, uh, India, Indonesia, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. So Taiwan is technically not on the list. Uh, Australia, uh, Canada, Chile, Qatar, USA, and then all of Europe. So yeah, they're not going to be there. Fortunately, uh, for everybody, because uh, those guys are also on fire. Uh, that would add a whole another level to it. But anyway, yeah. So uh, Shane and Earl have got their work cut out for them. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes down. Um, speaking of... They've got their work cut out. They've got, got their work cut out, though. But they, they're both fabulous players. If they can just get... And, and the whole thing with the uh, stretch doubles is having that unison and knowing each other's the way each other plays. And I think they may have that. And the mutual respect, which... He's going to keep Earl upbeat, and that's always going to be a key in mm-hmm. playing in a team event with Earl. Yeah, yeah, this is so, true. That's it. Speaking there of, go ahead. That just, Bring it on. What's your, what's your next thing, Dave? Uh, well, Bring it for me next. I just want to know where these people come from, and 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 here's the reason why I'm asking this. There's this this, this debate. Uh, well, it always comes up every now and then, you know, you got your pro league, uh, uh, advocates and you have your anti league people out there and there's two sides to the, to the argument, generally speaking, you know, there's the people that say that the leagues are, are nothing more than, uh, a friendly afternoon at the pool hall and uh, that they don't contribute much to the industry. And then there's other people that think that, that they're absolutely vital uh, to the industry, uh, to keeping pool, quote-unquote, alive. And um, I, I want to specify something before uh, you say anything on this topic because I, I think I know where you're going to go with this. But here's my, uh, here's my, uh, my uh, disclaimer. There's a difference when people talk about keeping pool alive. You have to understand. There's we're talking about. There's a, there's two different types of pool. There's public pool and there's private pool. 
private pool is in your home with your buddies and your friends. And the private pool world is the most money generating pool world there is. In other words, if you talk to Brunswick or Diamond, they sell more residential tables hands down than they do for commercial purposes. So private pool is perfectly fine. And there is nothing outside of the home, not many things outside the home that have a lot to do with one's desire to play it at their own house or with their buddies or whatever. You either like it or you don't. Now, shift that over to the public side of pool. And this is where people make the comments about uh, uh, you know pool dying and this and that and why the leagues are allegedly so vital. Um, I, I don't know how that the leagues could really make that big of a difference other than selling uh, some equipment and and not much equipment not it and generally speaking because when you play in a league you're not buying a table for your house you're playing in it out on equipment in the public you don't necessarily have to have top notch cloth and balls and cues and stuff to do that it's it's the cheapest route to play so to say that it contributes heavily to the economy of the pool industry, I don't know. I think that's debatable. Um, does it increase the overall skill level? I don't know. I mean, it, it has to, to a certain extent, because playing is better than not playing. Uh, but here's my biggest contention, Mark. Why does the league systems, and that with an S on the end of it, why don't they feed into the pro level. In other words, why don't you have to work your way through a league system to get ranked to be called a pro? I think that's the flaw here is that the leagues seem to just self-feed and for their own entertainment and they don't necessarily lead naturally to a higher level. So, you know, how useful are they? You tell me. Well, you see, I... I I, I can understand what you're saying and where you're coming from with that angle. I think there's so much more to it that you've got to go deep uh, a little bit. I'll give, I'll, I'll just an example, you're talking about the recreational tables. I've got a friend uh, named BK. I've got a, a few friends. Uh, you do? <laughs> in, 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 yeah, yeah. In, in uh, Spokane, Washington. Wow. Didn't know you had any And friends. they said, they, they just bought diamond tables. Him and his best friend bought a, a diamond table each and got a deal on them because they were only shipping one, they were shipping two tables in one truck, basically, uh, I guess is what you came down to. They play a league twice a week at least. Okay? Now, the, the reason they got these tables, they got, again, I think they work at the same place. They got their uh, a bonus for whatever, and it's a list by these tables. So what they do now, they can't afford to go every week, to like, every night of the week to play pool, but they love it. So they go play, let's say, Tuesday and Thursday, and then another twice a week, 
they play each other's homes. They've got their own family because their wives play as well. Sure. They've got their own Scott Doubles championship going on. Yeah. Now, this is small potatoes. It's, it's, it's like we're talking about two families. But they both bought diamond tables. They both bought racks from, you know, to hang house cues. They bought brand new sets of balls. And so that added to the economy. It's not taken away from the pool room. The reason it's not taken away from the pool because they like to go to the pool room and play. They just can't afford to do it. They can get a six-pack of Bud Light and uh, a bag of nacho chips and sit at home and play just fine and cost them a quarter to a tenth of what it would cost them to get on the pool room. Sure. So that's just one instance of something that happened here just in the last month. Mm-hmm. something that happened. So they do bring that. The pool and billiard, the, the pro arena, wouldn't exist without the amateurs. Wouldn't exist. Be non-existent. Absolutely zero. Nothing. But wait, are you suggesting that all these pros out there are a product of leagues, though? No. I don't think. Not. Then how can you say no. that one no. leads to the other? Okay, so why, let me ask you this. Do you think Simona's Claw? Viking cues, predator cues, um, diamond billiard tables. Do you think they're sponsoring professional events because they want professionals to buy their product? All fucking twenty of them. <laughs> no, no, they're in they're it. Gonna go, they're going to go out of business next week if they're relying on the pros to pay for anything. Because the pros don't want to pay for anything. They say I'm the pro. So sponsor me. Right. So give them the cue. So they're not going to get that. I'm so telling you, so the pros. I, 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 the reason they sponsor the pros is to sell a product to the league players. No, they sponsor their pros to get their name out there to sell it to the private pool players. The private people that buy the tables and the cues for the house, just like you no. said, that's the industry no. that they're trying to feed. It's not the leagues that they're trying to feed. No, I absolutely I, I disagree. The private pool player, I, and I know many people who have a pool table in their home. They don't care if the pool cue that's on their rack or that they play with is a predator or a duffy. Right. They don't care. They they want their pool room. They want in a pool room. They always want a pool room in the house, and they're going to go and buy their stuff. And they get they don't care if it's predator or someone. It's not because now, of the league. If they though. do research. They might. They might care to do research on it. But for the most part, you go look at these league players. You're acting like they're. Here's the thing, they do, you look at their cues and their cases, they take this shit seriously, they research it. They do. They don't want some of them do, you're right. Some, huh? of, some of them do, you're right, some of them do. I don't want to stereotype and say that 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 all league players are idiots that use house cues, because that's not true. I know that's not true. However, what... Answer me this: Other than uh, selling uh, the occasional table and balls and cues, what does the league produce? What is the out like? What what goes in one side is a group of people. What comes out on the other end? Do you have professionals graduating out of the system? Do you have sales? No, no. Or is it, well, there yeah. are some. I think there are some that have come out who play a league. I think uh, Charlie Hill, Billy Bryan played in the league. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong on this. I think Jeremy Jones played 
Plainly, there's a I think it's a BCN league in New York where Mika Eminem plays it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so, there's sure there's lots of little local stuff like that all the time, right? I, I think it's a broad spectrum of between the BCA, APA, TAP, USA Pool League, and the people who take it serious. Those are the ones who are looking and watching the actual report. They're watching maybe a Legends and Champions event whenever we do one and doing a you know pay-per-view, uh, watching the free streams, and they're seeing the signs saying, oh, this is the queue, the, the Scorpion queue that Johnny Archer plays with. And, and they look and name recognition. So instead of buying a Duffy, you know, splash out, maybe buy a Scorpion or a McDermott or something. Depending on, you know, how much money they've got and, you know, everybody's resources are different. But I think that's the main drive. And I understand you can say, well, how many of them are actually buying? I don't know. But I tell you what, OBQs are still in business. Vikings still in business. Diamond's still in business. Yeah. You know, yeah. these people are all still in business. And I guarantee you this. The professional pool players are not buying that equipment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So who's buying, so who's buying it? You're saying it's a private market? I don't think the private market, the, the casual guy who's just got a pool room in his house because he wanted one, how the guy's buying the product. Now, I'm not saying they're not buying any, but I don't think they're as fanatical as the league players are to get better at the game. They're happy just knocking balls around now to be with their friends and showing up. Well, that's what I'm hey, saying. That's what I'm saying, I, and I think that's to the for, to a large extent. That's all that the leagues amount to. At least the the, the... no no. I wish I said it wrong. I wish I said it wrong. <laughs> I'm talking about the private the private players. No, that's what the league <laughs> players are. The league players want to get out and have a little fun. And and the reason why I'm telling you that is because you go and take a survey. Now you're right. There is lots of serious players out there. But uh, in the leagues, however, if you go and take a survey, ask them who, I mean, there's league players out there that don't even know what AZ Billiards is. They don't check in on, they don't look up pool news on the website. They certainly don't listen to this show. You ask them, you know, what are the top 10, the top five players in the United States? And they're going to say Jeanette Lee and Minnesota Fats. They don't pay attention to the league. Now, let me cl- clarify something here. I'm not saying that they can't play well, and I'm not saying that they are not serious just because they don't know or are not interested in this higher level. What I'm suggesting is that the league doesn't seem, leagues in a general sense, don't tend to produce people that do go on to that fanatical stage of watching the news and watching the events and participating in the big tournaments and becoming pros and blah, blah, blah. It just seems to be this middle ground where they exist. They're not on the bottom and they're not on the top. They just kind of seem to just float right there in the middle. Nothing wrong with that. But that brings you back to my question. So what's the point, though? If that's, if it, if that's in fact true, then what's the point of doing it at all? Just giving these people an outlet, or is it just like uh, you know a movie theater where you're giving them something to do for a couple of hours every week? Well, I think that's part of it, isn't it? I mean, the people just like to they just want to go out and hit some balls as far as the league goes. Well, yeah, they but want to go play. I sure, that, I, I'll be the defender of the league play here. 
I, I don't play in league. I've never played in a league or anything else. But I know there's a certain, a high percentage of the league players. I'm going to say, I hate to say, I, I, I don't want to say anything against the APA, but I think the large percentage of the BCA players are maybe a little better and want to try and get better. And without coaching, maybe without fun coaching, maybe, you know, I don't know. But if they think this Kamui Tip is going to make play a little bit better and this uh, Nick Monique is going to make him play a little bit better, and, and then that kind of thing, you know, and, oh, I need a glove. You know, it's all boost in the industry. I, I don't know how much of it they actually buy, but I bet you it's a, a, a big percentage that say, hey, I, you know, I've been playing with the wrong team this whole time. Let me, let me try a different tip. Let me try this. This is what Darren Appleton uses. Mm-hmm. Let me try that. And, and believe it or not, there's a lot of league players who listen to this show. I know there are. And there's a lot of league players who buy the extra report, you know, where, when it was the mm-hmm. extra report, uh, to, to watch this stuff. So, I, and then the sponsorship that goes along with it is there to feed that. Now, here's another one. The, the only league that actually puts back to the pro. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying they're feeding players in. They're not feeding, necessarily feeding players in. But I think there's a number of players who were in the league system who didn't necessarily qualify a graduate. You don't have to qualify a graduate. You can play in the U.S. Open. Dave, that's where our sport is. You can play in the U.S. Open mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, You've just got to put up your 750 bucks and you play in flight and, you know, in your hotel. And, and you can play alongside the rest of them and end up on the BCA ranking list. Mm-hmm. Well... And so I, why, why, go, why bother going through some kind of qualifying system when you don't need to? You just enter it anyhow. Right. And so, but what I was going to say is this, and I'll, 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 and I'll let you go on, on whatever you're going <laughs> whatever nonsense you're going to dribble out of your mouth next, <laughs> is <laughs> I, 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 everybody knows disclaimer, I like Mark Griffin, but he's got the USA Pool League, and I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it's like 25 cents on every dollar or something like that. Those are more pro funds to put on pro events. Well, there you Did go. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's awesome. I was not aware of that. And you know what? I, I'm i glad you brought that up because I do want to make this very clear before I get a bunch of threatening phone calls from league players because I have no disdain for leagues, truly. That's not it. And I, I have nothing against league players. I think... Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sounds like you every one of them. Good Lord. I tell you what. No. If you don't try and put on a league in Chicago, you're going to get kicked out before you even apply. I uh, know. I'm going to... Yeah, the... No, that's not it. I, I that's not it. I the I I don't. I think it's a beautiful thing that it offers all these thousands of people uh, an inexpensive way to get out and play, where it would not necessarily have been any motivation to do so. So this is good. It does sell some equipment. It does sell upgrades. It does sell lessons, even in some cases. This is a good thing. I, what I think is the most important point that I would like to make is that the potential that could come out of the league systems 
is not being fully utilized. I think that they could use these leagues as an amateur catalyst to to start basically level one, level two, pro. Where you could go, where you could no, it's not going to happen because the 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 different league sets pretty much hate each other and won't have refused to work together. So that's what that's part of what my contention is that if that and if this is not being utilized in that way, then it's being wasted. Why get these thousands and thousands and thousands of people together and just do this weekly meeting where you go out and sandbag and you win a few dollars? Or you have a little friend, you know, some couple of beers with your buddies and play for a trip to Vegas every year. That's such a waste of the opportunity to do so much more with it. So maybe that's my biggest beef with it. It's not the league itself. Is that they just don't do enough, something significant enough with the systems that are that that are there. And I'll just leave it at that because we've bored everybody to sleep at this point. I think so. Well, I think that should be the, your theory. I, I understand your theory. They will work if there was something like a uni league, and you know this is not anything. It's not like a build up to anything that I'm trying to put together or anything else. But a uni league where people from all the leagues can join in this different league, but that league is the one that leads you into that kind of thing. Now, how well that would work and how much time, effort, and money it would cost to do it, uh, it, it is is ridiculous. Yeah. And um, why would why would anybody pay a membership and a, a weekly fee or a monthly fee to be a part of a league that's going to do this, 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 so you can become a pro? Like all you got to do is pay three hundred bucks at Turning Stone. Yeah. And you have that. And you're automatically in the pro ranks. You don't have to qualify for it. Well, yeah, and that, that's that's whether <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have yeah. to. You're right, and that's I think part of the problem right there is that uh, not only do the leagues not take advantage of it, but the promoters are are too desperate for participation to require something like that to take place. So it's kind of like you're uh, between a hard place and a rock. On an uphill battle in a snowstorm in the dark. Yeah, in that, I, I, it's just it's just too accessible. It's too easy. Yeah, if, if I said, "Here you go, Dave. I'm going to sell you this cow for five hundred dollars, uh, but it's not fully grown yet. But you can have to feed it and water it and take care of it for the next two years. And then after you feed and water it for the next two years, then you got to go take it to the slaughterhouse." And when you take it to the slaughterhouse, they're going to charge you again. And then they're going to chop it up and put it in the fridge and you put it in bags for you. And then you get this mincemeat. It's going to be great mincemeat and you'll have a burger. You can be, you make a burger out of it, you know, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, you go at me, well, what if I just go to fucking McDonald's? Yeah. I go in and out burger. <laughs> I don't have to spend three years and all this money. I can go to McDonald's and get a burger right now. <laughs> That's, that's a very odd way to explain it, but I guess it does, in fact, make sense. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, we're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna get out of here. You can continue to talk if you want to. Uh, I'm gonna let our our fair listeners uh, get on to to 
Mr. Mika Eminen and uh, listen to something he has to say. So thank you for joining me, uh, Mr. Cantrell. Um, I will uh, I will smell you later. And uh, to our audience out there, th- thank you for tolerating him. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time. I'm sure it's a shame that Dave wasn't as fiery as he usually is. He's on his best behavior. I usually can wind him up a little bit more. <laughs> well, you know. Have a good week, everybody. All right. Take care, everybody. See ya. Hey, everybody. Marianne here with another Go Play Pool app featured room. Today, we're going down to Yucaipa, California, and talking with Melissa Dayton, who runs all of their tournaments at uh, Yucaipa Billiards. How you doing, Melissa? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you. Um, so, why don't you tell all of our listeners a little bit about Yucaipa Billiards' history and whatnot? Well, Yucaipa Billiards has 17 tables. Ten of them are seven-foot bar boxes. Five of them are nine-foot regulation tables, and then we have two nine-foot shim pocket tables. Nice. Yes, I, I I love your room. I For all of our listeners that don't know, Yucaipa is in the Inland Empire in California, Riverside County, and uh, it's, uh, it's a really nice room. We we go in there and we play the tournaments and stuff when we can, and, and everybody's always super friendly. I, I love coming down there and hanging out with you guys, for sure. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of tournaments, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you got going on down there? Um, well, our next tournament is actually September 13th. Um, it's a maximum 64-man board with a $20 buy-in, and we're running BCA rules, and everybody plays straight up, so keep it all fair. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe uh, for maybe for the good ones. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn a lot playing those guys, Definitely. though. I, I learn a lot. It's twenty dollars is cheap lessons. And uh, for sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And all the ta- all the table time you can you can squeeze into one day, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, when did you guys start doing the uh, the the sixty four man tournaments? I. Um, I think we've been doing it a year now. Yeah. And it works out pretty good having a 64-man board because I can get through that in one day. Yeah, you guys do a great job, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, if we go too far over that, then you go just way too far into the night. Right, definitely. Yeah, or end up having to do a a two-day and then everybody's going to drive back out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you guys do a good job. So, yeah, if you're in the area, please make sure that uh, you check out the the tournament that they're having this weekend because uh, it's always a great turnout and lots of good competition. So, uh, you guys have weekly events that you guys do? Every Saturday night, we have an open nine ball tournament. It is on a handicap system. Um, it's a $10 buy-in, and that one starts at 8 o'clock at night. Awesome. Any other like special events that you guys have coming up in the in the future? Or? Not right now. We might do one more tournament in November, but with the holidays coming, yeah. everybody's got so much going on with their families that we probably maybe have one in November, and then probably won't. We'll start again in January. Right. Sounds good. All right, and uh, for all of you guys that that are curious, um, I know. That, I don't know. You guys don't serve food, right? We have food. Do you? I've never yeah. been there. 
mostly it's mostly a pool hall. But no, we have food. It's not we don't have a uh, actual huge kitchen, but yeah. we do do the pizzas oh, and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, hot dogs and that type of stuff. Taquitos. Yeah, typical filler foods that are the the essentials for a pool player, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and of course you guys serve beer and sodas and all that stuff. And yeah. um, you have the the Q repair on site, right? With Ned yes, we do. Yeah, and but some stuff, Ned will always be there for the big tournaments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's anything major, then we ship it to Ned. Cool. Awesome. Yes, and he's very good. So if you need somebody to work on your queue, get in touch with Ned for sure. Um, all right, Melissa, well, anything else that you want to add? Um, we do have the leaks. Yes, leagues. And That's right. <laughs> yeah, there are, and all of our leagues, being that we have so many tables, we play in house. Um, we can have a maximum of eleven teams per night. <clears throat> uh, we do APA three nights a week. Sunday is double jeopardy. You're playing eight ball and nine ball for, at the same time, mm-hmm. and that starts at five thirty. And then Monday is not APA nine ball, and we're playing on two tables because everybody has to work the next day. So we try to yeah. get everybody out of there as fast as possible. <laughs> Um, and that starts at 7.30, and Tuesday also starts at 7.30, and that's eight ball, again, playing on two tables. We usually get done starting at 7.30. You're usually done about 9.30, 10 o'clock at the latest. Um, and then Wednesday is BCA, and we're playing that also on double tables, and that's eight ball for BCA. Great. Well, uh, yes, and and you guys are... Um, a member room on our app. So for for our listeners, if you want to learn more information about uh, what what's going on down at UCAP Billiards, and um, if you're interested in joining a team, you can find all their information on the Go Play Pool app. It's free, and um, they are a member room. So check them out. And um, Melissa, why don't you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and where you're located? The phone number at the pool hall is nine oh nine. Seven nine four three eight eight zero, and we're right off of the ten freeway. If you exit Ukaipa Boulevard, you would make a right, and then uh, immediate right after that, and we're on the left hand side. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Melissa. Thank you for <clears throat> getting on the phone with me today, and and letting everybody know about Ukaipa Billiards. If you're interested in doing an interview with me and talking about your room, get a hold of me, Marianne at GoPlaypool.com, and they are free to do, and uh, if you're a member, then, you know, I'm going to hit you up. So thanks for listening, everybody, and join us here again next time on American Billiard Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of American Billiard Radio, AZ Billiards. I'm Mike Howerton. I'm very honored this week to be joined by 
the next member of the BCA Hall of Fame, Mika Eminen. Mika, how you doing? Uh, hi, Mike. How are you? I, I can't be doing nearly as well as you are. Well, thank you very much. And I uh, want to just uh, say hi to all the listeners. So tuning in and uh, yeah, it's a great day. <laughs> Very well-deserved induction into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't imagine you were you were all that surprised to get the call from Mike. Yeah, he uh, he kind of played it off like uh, he needed to get in touch with me for a, a, a little story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I kind of yeah took the bait, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm available. I was I was uh, you know in at Amsterdam Billiards practicing in New York City and then he just called me and then he said you're in and I'm like what like I, I kind of knew it right away but it's like takes a little a few seconds to sink in that I, I get it like I'm, I'm in the Hall of Fame so uh, I, was, I was I was tickled to death like uh, just beside myself and I, I really had to I had to sit down wow I don't know, and does that come with age or something? I don't know, but no, I'm kidding because part of the joke is uh, like some players are saying, "Oh, you're an, you're an old geezer now because you're in the Hall of Fame." <laughs> but uh, I I'm really super honored and uh, just really it's one of the it's it's the biggest honor I think a billiard player can get. You know. Going with the idea of you're an old geezer now because you're in the Hall of Fame, um, you've pretty much won everything there is to win in professional pool, haven't you? Yeah, I guess so. I I, I had a I did set a lot of goals and and some goals I didn't know until I, I you know sometimes you got to tackle a few hurdles before you can you know reach for the higher higher ones but um i've managed to uh, pretty much uh do everything that i wanted to do so is there not anything left well there there's i'm actually I've, yeah there is there is i i do want to win the straight ball you know i was close twice and and it was back to back years during like my uh, it was a pretty incredible um a streak that I was on, but then somehow, like um, a couple of guys, got the better of me in the straight pool. So uh, that's that's one like a missing a little notch. I I was doing some research prior to our conversation, and I saw that you were one Moscone Cup appearance away from Ralph, who has been there the most number of times. Would it mean something to you to be the player who's represented Europe the most number of times? Oh yeah, of course that would be, uh, you know, statistically a, a nice honor. But you know, um, Ralph, I give him all the credit. He's he's a great player, and he's he's been a um, in a in a very important role in Moscone Cup almost every time he plays. But it's not like. That's not a big deal, really, for me. It's just an honor to get in every year. If you do get in, and uh, you, you know you you fight hard to be in it, it's, that's why it's being quoted as the Ryder Cup for pool. So um, you know, if there's some years that I didn't get in, I think I it was deserved. I didn't I didn't deserve to get in, 
And if I'm not in the top form, I wouldn't even want to be in. Right. You know, there's a lot of a lot of conversation uh, in the states about uh, Mark Wilson and the eight players that he's chosen for the the American team, and you know the plans that he has and how to make the USA competitive. What's the what's the conversation like in Europe? I mean, is it is it whatever they want to do, good luck to them? Or, I mean, do you guys follow the, the everything going on with Team USA? Do you care? I, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, we, we do follow. Uh, we kind of raise an eyebrow. <laughs> if that, I don't want to sound arrogant, but it's just like uh, we, we want to see, obviously, we want them to be competitive. We want the Moscone Cup to do well. And if you know, if we would uh, keep dominating, I don't think it looks good for Matchroom or, or you know, the, the longevity of the, the event. But uh, at the same time, Europeans took a lot of beating, and I was in a lot of those uh, years. And, hey, we, we took it. We were, like, f- fighting, and, and eventually we... we I think our level got up as, as Europeans like got really competitive and, and, and all over Europe, the, I guess the Euro Tour produces quite a few players and then people really just uh, fighting hard to get into the Moscone Cup every year. Uh, it's been kind of a carrot for all the players. So um, obviously there's a lot of prestige, but I, I we weren't like really... We weren't done. I mean, even after we lost, like I don't know, seven times in a row. So uh, I don't think Americans should be discouraged, but they really need to get their uh, get it together, really. And uh, it, it's a pretty drastic move from Mark to, you know, like not get any, get any of the veterans. But I mean, I understand. You have to look at it from both sides. I mean, he wants the young players to have a chance, you know, and, and I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a tough one for them to go to, especially go to UK in, in front of a black hole uh, crowd. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, everybody's nervous. I mean, it's it's that's the kind of event that it is. There's a lot of it's like this electricity in the air. And you can cut the atmosphere with a knife. So um, it's going to be a tester for these players that haven't played it before. It's interesting that you make the comparison between where Team USA is now and where Team Europe was maybe 10 years ago. What has happened in Europe and what you've described that allowed Team Europe to be competitive, I don't see the same thing happening. And I understand that it's it's what Mark Wilson wants to try to drive, but I don't see that happening in the U.S. And don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a homer for Team USA. I want them to win every year, but I'm just being realistic about it. I don't see that same sort of competitive fire. And the building of the game, like what took place in Europe 10 years ago, going on in America right now? 
Yeah, it seems like uh, Europe, uh, I think the growth of pool, uh, it, it's been steady. And it doesn't seem like it's, you know, stopping anytime soon. Uh, the players are very competitive and, and, and there's a lot of like, I mean, you know, this you could make a Moscone Cup team out of, you know, some Germans alone or, or guys from the UK or, you know, we can make a Scandinavian team. Um, so there's a lot of uh, raw talent and it goes pretty deep. So, uh, and I can't say that for Americans right now. Um, I think I think there needs to be like serious like um, development. And it needs to be, pool needs to be attractive. We need to get it back on TV. I think that's that's one of the big issues in, in general for for uh, prosperity of pool in the states. Definitely, um, and and I I like the direction that Mark is moving in. I know one of the prospective teammates or one of the prospective team members had made a comment on one of our interviews recently that there were 20 guys that he thought could represent Team USA. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, if you took the top 20 guys in America against the top 20 guys in Europe, it might be worse of a beating than we took last year. I mean, the the, the, the talent level is just so strong in Europe right now. I think the, uh, yes, I, I agree. And uh, the level of experience on like international feed and field and under high pressure uh, there's a lot more talent in europe right now compared to america there's you know i I can't like there's a handful of players that have that kind of experience right and 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 like winning experience so uh they need to get their feet wet and Blackpool is, is a, you know, <laughs> hey, they're they're clearly underdogs, but it could help them because if I was them, I would go and like, well, we got really nothing to lose. It's like, uh, whatever happened last year, there's a lot, lot of room for improvement. It's it's statistically very unlikely that would happen again. Any you know, anything near that kind of scoreline, but. Uh, because it's still it's nine ball, but um, we lost once twelve one to U- U.S. Uh, and we won the first game, so it was just I don't know what was going on. It, nine ball is a funny game, and then it's it's very mental. So when sometimes when things fall apart, it, it can be a monumental thing, kind of like uh, Brazil had in the World Cup. <laughs> Soccer, yeah, against Germany. So it just goes to show the sports a lot of mental. And, and speaking of the mental side of the game, um, you you have have your detractors in the in the pool world um, who have said that you sometimes don't deal well with the bad roles that come with the game and, and, and I mean, let's face it, everybody has to deal with it, but you know, some people can, can shake it off and, and just move on to the next one. Like Efren will stand there and, and scratch his head. And how did that happen? 
you in the past have sometimes, you know, worn your heart on your sleeve and, you know, you've not dealt well with that sort of thing. Is that, is that a fair representation? Is that something that you're working on changing or what is it? Yeah, I, uh, I do admit that I've, you know, sometimes reacted in a way that I'm not proud of and, uh, and I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm an intense competitor, and there's, there's sometimes situations that are very subtle. Like you, you deal with certain players in a certain way, and then if, you know, some some players, well, beside that, some players pulling pull moves. I, I, I'm very intense, and I'm very uh, unforgiving to myself. Like if if I if I screw up, I might like. Uh, you know, I might take it, uh, take a little beating on myself, and then I, I really tried not to make the same mistake twice. So, but uh, it's 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 not a direction that I want to go, and I'm, I'm looking to improve that department, obviously, because I, you know, that's not really Iceman, is it? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I want to get back to get back to my roots, which is like you know, when, when I first came over from Finland, I was pretty pretty calm and I didn't really care about what was happening. It's just trying to, you know, when I get to the table, I'm ready and just do my thing. But, uh, I don't know. I've, uh, got some bad influence from somewhere. And then I, I guess sometimes when I know I'm not like near the level that I can be, it can be frustrating. So, uh, I, I apologize for any, misbehavior and uh to you know we all try to improve constantly and, and and that's a big big department for myself because i know it's not very productive or conducive for winning for other players at all levels who experience that sort of thing what can you do as a player to try to fight that for myself or, or for or anyone. I mean, general. how do you handle it so other players can say, okay, that's that's what I'm going to try? Yeah, I, I got to get into the more of a Zen mode and, and, and really try to stay in the present. And, and so if you stay in the present, it doesn't matter what just happened because it's over. And, and just got to wait for every new moment that you have and, and, and cherish it, really. So if you're if you if you get hooked, I mean you know, or being getting hooked should be the same thing as a opponent playing safe on you. You could you could just look at it as from a perspective. Oh, he didn't run out, so I get a chance to influence the game now. This rack, and this is my opportunity, so I'm just going to make the most of it. So that's that's the you know positive way of looking at things. Mika, I want to take a real short break real quick. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the, the two years that you had where it really seemed like you were at the peak of your game. Okay. Yeah. Okay, everybody, we we'll, get be, back to that. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined this week by Mika Imanen, the latest member of the BCA Hall of Fame. Uh, Mika, 
In 2008 and 2009, uh, it seemed like you were winning just everything in sight. Um, you would enter a tournament and it was pretty much a given that you were at least going to be in the top four. You were probably going to win it. Um, it just seemed like your game was at a whole different level than your competitors at the time. Can you can you describe what that kind of feeling is like? Yeah, it uh, it, it was pretty amazing. Um, I, I really did. I don't really even today to date know really what was going on. But I was just I was I guess I was doing everything that I could to get myself in an optimal you know, condition and frame of mind to win tournaments. And, uh, I guess that's in, you know, including running and, uh, yoga and then just pure, pure practice. But like, I, I was in a, I was in a good place and a good frame of mind. And, and it's just statistically, it's hard to win that many like nine ball or 10 ball tournaments, uh, in the, in the span of time like that, because, the, the game it, it can get hairy it's just like you know a few rolls here and there there, there was there had to be at least uh, maybe 20 25 hill hill matches or probably even more during the whole uh, a couple of years that I was winning that could have gone either way but I just managed to pull it pull the rabbit out of the hat like every time and, and it's just I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> When I look back, it's just uh, it's it's an insane streak. But uh, I somehow um, forgot how to lose, <laughs> and I, I, did, I actually that's a, a quote um, that I'm using. Um, I, I was watching a documentary from uh, Martina Navratilova the other day, and she was talking about um, her tennis streak that she had when she was like on top of the world like five years in a row. And she, I think, uh, she won everything in sight. So, uh, she said she forgot how to lose. <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking I, I relate to that Martina. Like I, I had that for a couple of years. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know really how to explain it because it's, you know, I remember in Manila, um, we had a press conference, and I had just come off winning like the U.S. Open back to back, and uh, and I'm looking at the the talent there at the press conference, and then people are like, they're asking me, the press is asking me, so what do you think about your chances here? I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> look at the look back a couple of years. I mean, you know what I'm thinking, but. At the same time, I'm, I try to stay humble, and and it's a very fine, like you're 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 walking on a um, suspended rope, and and between being very confident and very humble, that's what you're working with. So you know you gotta like keep working, doing the same things that got you there. But at the same time, you know. You know, walk tall and, and and be confident, look confident at the table, and do your thing. And uh, I managed to win that one. I was just like, uh, I 
kind of icing on the cake to win it in Manila. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to say. But yeah, go ahead. I don't know if that gives any idea what's going on. It seemed like, and, and I say this based on following your blog and, and looking at your Facebook posts and that sort of thing, it seemed like when you were starting to come out of that, you know, in 2010 and you weren't experiencing the same kind of success that you had had, right when you were coming out of it, it seemed like you were were struggling to figure out how to get back into it. You know, I I would see things like, it wasn't the finish that I was hoping for, but I'll I'll dig down, I'll keep practicing, and I'll I'll get it back. And then after a time, it just seemed like, you know, I saw more posts about enjoying your life. And it seemed like, while I don't think your competitive fire went anywhere, it just seemed like you seem you got more comfortable with the idea that there's luck involved. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, um, and and got back to enjoying your life and being a happy person. Is that a a fair a fair read? Yeah, um, I I think my focus was shifting. I, I quite honestly, I think I kind of had a little bit of a burnout it was just like when when you're on the top that long it's 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 kind of i mean of course you're loving it but then how long can you keep it going a streak like that and then every every streak streak comes to an end at some point and when i look back i think i kind of had a little burnout i was just like you know what i'm gonna take a break uh (laughs) i mean not consciously but who wants to stop winning? So, uh, but I guess um, I can't really say that it was boring <laughs> to win. It's it's ridiculous. But I I think I had a burnout, and I wanted to like do other things, and I really just enjoy my life. Yeah, just uh, and and but now the question is like, how do you? You know, if I'm ever going to be able to duplicate something like that, it's hard to say. But um, I got to get hungry again and and get intense and and start. You know, I'm I'm already like doing back to the physical stuff. I I ran a I ran the New York Marathon last uh, November, and I'm so getting more into like the whole holistic approach of playing pool and and. That's that's what I like. I mean, I consider myself an athlete, and you know, I do everything that I can, including physics and nutrition. So, uh, and by the way, I beat my my I beat my own record in the marathon from like 14 years ago. So <laughs> that's a it's not bad for like a 40 year old guy. For other uh, marathon runners, what is your record? Well, I I finished this uh, last November in three hours and fifty six minutes. So my goal was to break, go under four and break my old record, and which I did. My old record was three fifty nine thirteen. Well, short of the pearl, I don't think there's any American players that are going to be challenging that number anytime soon. 
Yeah, I I know Earl's running a lot. He runs like almost daily, and uh, but he he doesn't do like the real long distance. I've I've asked him about it, but I think he he would be capable of running a marathon if he just you know. <clears throat> but it takes a little bit of a a distance, you know, just kind of getting ready for it. But he's he's got the foundation for it definitely um i know i know beside myself uh danny harriman is a is a good runner and he, he would probably beat me in a marathon if, if it came to that let's uh let's bring it to to current times um we did not have a chance to talk last year after you won the ultimate 10 ball but you got the win there and then you won the the event the the event in Colorado this year, yeah. And you also just won something recently over in Europe. What was that? Oh, uh, that was uh, I, I went to Finland, and um, a friend of mine has been organizing this the Iceman Open. And uh, if you're talking about that one, yes. Also, I did win. The, tournament interpol open in sweden uh, last year so uh that was kind of cool but the iceman open is obviously it's it's a name you know my namesake tournament and i think they wouldn't organize it if i didn't go so <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i had to go and uh i was i managed to come out winner which is always nice but it, it was just a nice event well organized and it's a beautiful pool room uh, in, in a town called Juvascula and the place is called Players and this guy Jonas Orton he, uh, he tries to uh, make a tournament every year and I think uh, Earl Strickland was also visiting that particular place uh, in May so he had a little <coughs> he had a big event there actually all 100 players showed up um so, but it seems like Finnish. Uh, there's there's a lot of good talent coming out of Finland, and so I was I was just happy to be able to win it. I was going to ask you about what you thought of the talent level in Finland. Do you think that the success that you've had in the game has driven some of those players to get serious about pool? Yeah, I think so. There's, there's some of that um, has rubbed off, and then you know, for them to think that it's it's really possible, you know, if you if you play play your heart out and and, and do the right things, and like uh, Petri Makonen, my teammate for the World Cup, uh, <clears throat> he he was he's been part of the success that I've enjoyed. We won the, the World Cup in 2012, which was like an amazing feat, I think, you know, and it, I'm just really, I was happy to share the limelight with him and, it, you know, I'm sure he's, a, it was a confidence boost for him and the rest of the players coming from Finland. You know, thinking about the success that you've had in the last couple of years, you've won the World Cup, you've won the Ultimate Ten Ball, you're you're still winning events here and there. You're just not dominating the way you were. Yeah. Going back to how you dealt with coming out of that two years, 
are you satisfied? I mean, you can't be satisfied if you play in a tournament and you don't win. But no, you know, at the end of the year, when you look back on the year and you see that you had wins here, you had second place finishes there. While certainly you would have liked to have done better, you can't be beating yourself up over it, are you? No, I'm not beating myself up over it. Um, there's, there's, um, the game is, is still evolving and. and Players are getting tougher to beat, in in my opinion. I mean, there's you got the Copigny, Denis Urkolo, Shane Van Boning, just to mention like three three top guys right now, um, and they they've really uh, worked on the, all the areas of the game, and I need to work on some areas myself to to get to that level. And, and one's you know obviously the break in in ten ball. You know, I think I figured out the thing. I mastered the break and nine ball, and then I changed to ten ball. Now I got to move on to that, and then to have a better break from the box. And you know, if I can get to there, I think if if it was like golf, an equal opportunity, everybody gets a swing at the at the at the pattern. I, I um, you know, I can beat anybody any given day. Uh, but it's not like that. It's a little bit more of uh, if you got the drive, which is the break shot. So, uh, but I've done that before. I've looked at my weaknesses and and then made my strong points. So that's what I got to do now. But I'm uh, I'm ready for battle. <laughs> so where do you go from here? What's uh, what's in your future as far as tournaments? Um, I'm going to uh, play. Uh, the uh, American Straight Bowl uh, tournament in, in Richmond, um, a week and a half from now, and then I'm going to the Turning Stone Classic up in New York, the Mike Suglin's event, and then after that, going over to UK uh, to play the World Cup of Pool with Petri again, and after that, I am I'm really. Um, Coming back to New York, I'm going to practice hard and train hard for the U.S. Open. I, w- I want to give myself like a, you know, the best opportunity to do well there. Obviously, it's a, for me, it's a, I have to face it. It's a monumental event because not only uh, do I have to do well to get, guarantee my uh, place in the Moscone Cup team, but it's also my, my closest friends and, and my you know, relatives and people that mean a lot to me will be there to uh, join the Hall of Fame induction. So uh, there's so many reasons for me to do well there. And, you know, obviously I want to enjoy the, the Hall of Fame event. And I'm, I'm super pleased and, and proud to be there with, the, you know, Jose, Jose Perica is getting in this year as well. So it's just a Kind of like the old guard and the 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 current guard together. So uh, Jose has been he's been an inspiration to me, and and I've learned a lot watching him. So uh, it's kind of cool. Well, Mika, I'm looking forward to being there to see you inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I wish you luck with the upcoming tournaments, except for Moscone Cup. I'm, I'm hoping you guys take second this year. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today.
I appreciate your your call and then appreciate all the listeners and then and you know I uh, let's uh, let's see a, a brighter future for Paul and work together and and carry on. Absolutely. Okay. Man. All right, Mika. I will let you go and I will uh, I will see you in Turning Stone and again at the U.S. Open. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, everybody, that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. Thanks a lot. Bye.